Welcome back to A View from the Couch. My name is Rich. And I'm Jen. And today we are talking about the movie Nobody with Bob Odenkirk. This was interesting concept. Bob Odenkirk. I would never, ever have thought of him <laughs> as an action star. Right. Okay, well, see, I, when after I saw this, I dubbed it Better Call John Wick. <laughs> yeah. This, uh, yeah, I, I don't think I would ever consider Bob Odenkirk as an action star. I mean, Bob Odenkirk is a comedian. He's done some really good stuff on, like, The Mr. Show. And then, of course, he was Saul Goodman on Breaking Bad and then on Better Call Saul. I mean, he and, uh, amongst amongst many other things, but those are the things that primarily I know him from and primarily I go to when I'm thinking of, you know, Bob Odenkirk. But yeah, I stumbled across this one on a recommendation from another podcast I was listening to whose name I am not going to mention because you know what? You're our listeners. You stay with us. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's The Lost Drive-In. It was a podcast that I listened to every once in a while and they had this on on their show and I listened to a little bit of it and I thought, okay, I don't want to know how this ends, so I'm going to go watch the trailer. So I watched the trailer and I was hooked. Now you hadn't really... You hadn't seen this movie before we watched it for this, right? I hadn't. I'd okay. seen... I think it's been on HBO for a while, because I had seen the picture on there Yeah, yeah quite the a cover. few times. Yeah. And I wasn't really sure what this was. Like, I, <laughs> I was thinking it was maybe like a dark comedy or something. Yeah, kind of an action-y comedy type movie. The the poster, at least the cover art for this, that's on HBO Max and is on, in fact, the 4K Blu-ray, which I got for Christmas from Santa, by the way. It was in my stocking. That was pretty cool. <laughs> Thanks, Santa. Good taste. <laughs> Couldn't have been... The only way it could have been better is if we if it had been like Violent Night or something, right? Yeah. Could, appropriate because right. of Santa, you know? Right. But anyway, it's a picture of Bob Odenkirk getting socked in the mug with, with like... And he's got blood like on his face and he's got gristled, you know, beard, like five o'clock shadow. And he just looks like he's taking it like, okay. Mm-hmm. An interesting image. Yeah. Yeah. So we know Bob Odenkirk's in it. Who else is in this movie? This movie was directed by Ilya Nishuler. It was written by Derek Colsted. Now we know Derek Colsted, right? I believe this is the guy that wrote John Wick, right? It is. Okay. This stars Bob Odenkirk as Hutch. We have Alexei. Sarah Bryakov as Yulian, Connie Nielsen as Becca, Christopher Lloyd as David, yeah. and Michael Ironside as Eddie. Now, I don't know this director. I, When I first watched the movie, I looked him up, and it turns out he, he did this movie called Hardcore Henry, which I guess is like a first-person shooter movie. So I thought that was pretty interesting, and, and, I, and I thought maybe maybe I'd get a, a look at that at some point, but I never did watch it. And so this movie kind of is pushing me to want to kind of you know see that maybe you know just to see it's got a, he's got a very energetic look to his film, especially the action sequences. So that's pretty cool. All right, should we talk about this movie? I suppose we should. So movie opens. In an interrogation room, and we meet Hutch Mansell, where he lights a cigarette and then he pulls a cat, a little kitten, out of his jacket. He pulls out a can of tuna and a can opener, and he opens the tuna and he gives it to the cat. And then across the table from him are these two detectives, and after a couple of beats, they say to him, Who the hell are you? And he says, Me? I'm... And it cuts to the title, Nobody. Yeah. <laughs> which I thought was pretty cool. So and then then basically we get to see a couple days earlier, we see Hutch leads a really humdrum life. He can't seem to catch the garbage man every every week. He's missing the garbage <laughs> guy. You said set yourself an alarm. And I'm like, no, see that the point though is to show us how boring <laughs> his life really is. And we see him, you know, having breakfast with his family, but they're not talking. You see him commuting to work and exercising and working at his job, pushing buttons and mm -hmm. really dull, boring, dead end, dry life. And we see Monday and then Tuesday and then Wednesday and Thursday and Friday, like over and over and over and over and over again. 
Hutch and his wife are estranged. His son doesn't really think a lot about his dad, Mm -hmm. but his daughter just loves him. She loves her daddy, right? Mm -hmm. And she's she's the only one that shows him affection, which I think is what really leads to this break when when we when we get it. Right. Yeah. Oh, I think so too. Definitely. So speaking of the break, one night Hutch is restless and he. He gets up to check on the kids, and he sees that Blake is still awake, and Blake silently, like, motions downstairs and says, you know, like, get the idea, like, somebody's breaking in. And Hutch goes down, he confronts the thieves, he's got a golf club with him that he's going to use to, you know, try and hit one of the thieves, and then Blake tackles one of them. Mm-hmm. And... Actually, before that, they point a gun at him. They point a gun at Hutch. And then Blake tackles the other guy while this is going on. And the gunman turns on Blake. And Hutch kind of negotiates like, hey, let him go, son. Just let him go. And the thieves ask, they want the money, all the money that he's got. He's like, all the money I've got is in this bowl right here. And so they grab that. And then they're like, (laughs) I think they said something like, 12 bucks what the hell man he's like i use debit card yeah <laughs> like i use a debit card i never have cash on me right. ever i right. never have cash on me i totally get this hutch however i would never be able to do what this man does so i just don't have the training oddly enough right so they take his watch too and then they leave so yeah real quick here this movie it was written by Derek colstead however The conceptual premise of Nobody is actually from Bob Odenkirk. His home has been burglarized twice. Oh, interesting. And I mean, not interesting for him, but, you know. And in one instance, he was able to lock his assailants in the basement until the police arrived. Interesting. And he said he just imagined, like, a wish-fulfillment fantasy of revenge. Just kind of like what happened in this movie, like... You're thinking he did the right thing. He didn't be overly aggressive here. And everybody got away, you know, alive. Right. Where if you start being aggressive, you never know. It could escalate and somebody could get shot. It's just so hard to know for sure. But, you know, he had this revenge fantasy fulfillment after this happened. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, what if he was tougher and could do something else? Sure. And anyways, this is kind of the premise of the movie. Interesting. Okay. So we get to see that, like, the police come and Blake is obviously disappointed in his father. One of the cops even kind of makes fun of Hutch. Like, whoa, I would have kicked his ass, blah, blah, blah. His neighbor's like, I would have kicked his ass, man. Look, good thing he's not here. And the guy's got, like, this super awesome, like, I don't know what it was. Do you think that was a charger or something? I think so. Yeah. He has, like, this super awesome car that's obviously a midlife crisis mobile, you know. And Hutch just kind of absorbs it all and is kind of quiet. And he definitely feels bad about this, about it happening. Mm -hmm. But we're going to find out later that he he didn't act for a specific reason. There's a a very specific reason that he didn't act on this. So. He probably would have killed people. Well, not only that. No, but I'll, we'll get to it. Okay. We're, we're going to get to it out here in the next sec- in the next okay. segment here. Okay. okay. So the next day, Hutch goes to work, and his brother-in-law gives him a gun and says, "You need to protect my sister." And then Hutch ends up going into his office and contacts his brother Harry, who's in hiding. He has this radio behind his uh, behind his like liquor cabinet in, in the office, mm-hmm. and he can he can contact his brother. His brother's in hiding. And he tells Harry that the reason that he didn't act on those intruders is that the gun wasn't even loaded. Mm-hmm. They weren't there to hurt anybody. They were just desperate people. So that's why he didn't act. Yeah. So this tells me Hutch really has a good heart. And it's actually going to set us up for what's gonna, what he's going to tell us at the end about his last mission with the company. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So... Hutch also that day goes to visit his dad. His dad's a retired FBI agent. His dad tells him, you don't look so good. (laughs) It's like, okay, everybody's kicking him. He's down. But Hutch, even though he, you know, specifically didn't harm these people because they were desperate, he still is kind of frustrated by this inability to protect his family. So he kind of goes on about his life. And we get get another montage of like, you know, Monday, Tuesday, whatever – same humdrum BS until Sammy, his daughter, 
mentions that her kitty cat bracelet is missing. And this happens as they're getting ready for dinner, was it? Or was it? Yeah, it was dinner. They're getting yeah. ready for dinner. Yep. And she says, my kitty cat bracelet's gone. And Hutch basically puts down what he's doing and just leaves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's just, he's kind of like, oh, dang it. <laughs> it's like the, it's the, it's the last straw for him. Yeah. It's that one, it's that one last thing. The one person that shows him affection finally, she, like, she lost something too. She wasn't awake to see it happen, mm-hmm. but her kitty cat bracelet's gone. <laughs> yep. And so it just, it, he just snaps and he goes to his dad's retirement home. He goes to his dad's retirement home and there he like pulls out his dad's old gun and he pulls out his dad's old badge and he starts trying to track down these criminals. Now, he noticed a tattoo on one of the thieves' arms. And so he goes to, he goes on the hunt to a bunch of tattoo parlors. He gets to a final tattoo parlor that leads him to the culprits. But at that tattoo parlor, he has this great interaction where he holds out a wad of cash and the tattoo artist is like, are you, are you crazy? What makes you think I won't beat the crap out of you and take this? And he says, there are three types of people in this world who, as you say, flash cheese. He says, people who don't know any better, people who are looking to intimidate, and people like me who wish with every fiber of their being that someone would try and take it from him. And while he's holding this money up, there's this old veteran guy. He's got a Vietnam veteran hat on. Mm-hmm. He notices a tattoo on Hutch's wrist. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not mistaken, it's... I, I think I'd read somewhere before that that's the low. That it's two. It's two cards. It's a seven, I think, and a two. It's the worst possible hand you can be dealt in poker, because you can't make a straight mm-hmm. out of it at all. Right. So the old timer sees it and he's like, "Thank you for your service." And then the dude takes off, and he like closes the door and locks like eight locks or whatever. And so that's obviously that tattoo stands for something right. that they know in the military. Right. That's enough for the tattoo artist, though, to give Hutch the information about the person that he's looking for, which is one half of the thieves that he was that he that were in his house. So he goes to the the people's house. He pistol whips, whips one of the guy, one of the people, his name's Lewis. Pistol whips him. He rubber covers the watch. But Lewis and his wife, Lupita, don't have the kitty cat bracelet. And that, coupled with the fact that they have a crying baby in the back, mm-hmm. is enough for Hutch to just be like, all right, fuck this, I'm out of here. So he leaves. But he's really frustrated. And so we get this scene where he just like beats the shit out of a wall. With his bare hands. That had to, that, somebody's got a lot of aggression and anger to do something like that. Yeah. You could tell this whole time he's just, he's just waiting for somebody to just cross that line to just give him the excuse. Right. Yeah. Yeah. To just wail on someone. Yep. Oh, and he gets that excuse. He does. He does. We get this great cut where after he's like beating the shit out of the the wall, the brick wall, we cut to him on a bus, but it's actually we're focused on his knuckles, which are just completely cut up and bleeding. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a great cut. But he's on this bus and all of a sudden like this, this SUV like pulls up next to it and like crashes into like a, like a construction barrier or something like that. And this group of drunken men get on board the bus and they harass the driver. They harass the other passengers. They start harassing this the one woman that's on the bus. Mm-hmm. That's not the bus driver. A young, attractive lady who, you know, they start, they start harassing her. And Hutch realizes that he's got an opportunity. <laughs> he goes up to the front. He escorts the driver off the bus. He takes her cell phone, he puts it on the thing, and he closes the doors. <laughs> and then he turns around, and he takes out his gun, and he pops the cylinder, and he drops all the he drops all the bullets out of it. And then he goes. They said the the one of the bad guys or the, one of the the thugs says, "Who the hell are you supposed to be?" And he's like, "Me, I'm gonna fuck you up." <laughs> it was this great moment. But what I really loved about this fight is that. Hutch is definitely rusty. 
he is. I liked this too that he wasn't just whooping everybody and right. and absolutely dominating. I mean, he yep. got his ass kicked. <laughs> yeah, they, they got the upper hand quite a few times on yeah. him. He he ultimately ends up winning. He does win, but, but he took a beating in the yeah, meantime. He definitely takes a beating. He gets stabbed. He gets thrown through the bus window. He gets his head railed on a on a, a pipe, and. The best part of this whole thing, though, is that he crushes one dude's throat as they're fighting. But he wasn't looking to kill anybody. He was just looking to beat the shit out of everybody. Yeah. And he doesn't want the guy to die, so he, like, gives him a, a tracheotomy with a straw from a drinking cup. <laughs> yes. <laughs> then he gets off the bus, and he tells the bus driver, I'm sorry for the mess, and he walks home. <laughs> yeah. That was... That bus scene is when I knew the first time I was watching this movie, I was like, I think I'm going to like this flick because it's just sarcastic enough and just gory enough and just actiony enough to hit that sweet spot, that like John Wick sweet spot, Mm -hmm. you know? And I keep saying John Wick and I know that the guy that wrote it wrote this and I'm not trying to pigeonhole this guy or, you know, lump him in with, oh, he only writes John Wick movies or whatever. But this has a very real John Wick feel to it. But it does have other feels. I'll talk about that here when we get into the antagonists a little bit. It has another feel for me. That, yeah. That, that, really, that really plays for me that I really, really liked. No, I agree with you on that because this yeah. definitely has that revenge storyline in it. Right. There's that, a revenge storyline. There's like, has, a, yeah. like a hidden like cabal of people that are mm-hmm. helping him, like his brother. And mm-hmm. like, you know, the FBI is keeping track of him. He's like a former FBI. FBI agent. Mm-hmm. John Wick was a former agent of the whatever that agency was. I can't remember the name of it now. I'll remember when we review John Wick 4, I'm sure, because we will. Yeah. But so he goes home and Becca stitches him up. And she's like, well, back at it, huh? Like she knows what he did. She obviously knows what he used to do. She has to because it's not like, oh, what happened? Right. <laughs> right. There's She just does her thing she just sews them up and they have a conversation about how he misses her and you know they've been they've been drifting apart for years and blah 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 i like this too because it makes him feel very real i mean that's that's a very common thing that happens in relationships Mm -hmm. and you know they've obviously been together for quite a while right and i i liked that they added this in here it humanizes him. Mm-hmm. He's not just a killing machine. Yeah, he's not just this robot killer. This is the difference between this movie and John Wick. Now, I love John Wick, but there's not a whole lot of humanizing in John Wick. He's just a killing machine. Yeah. You yeah. know? I mean, you could argue that his wife, the whole thing with the flashback with his wife and all that stuff humanizes him, but the majority of that movie is spent on his revenge. The majority mm-hmm. of this movie is spent on the build-up to and Hutch, the build-up to the revenge and, like, learning more about Hutch and why he is the way he is and who he is, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So now let's talk about the antagonists here. So because, meanwhile, while this is all going on, across town, mob boss Yulian is meeting with the high-ranking Russian mob leaders. So Yulian is the owner of, of this nightclub, this bar, and he is currently in charge of the Obchak, which is the Russian mob's "quote unquote" retirement money? It's money that it's a it's a fund that all the mobsters, the head mobsters, put money into, and they'll all get a share of it at the end of their lives when they're ready to be out of it. They get a share of it. Mm-hmm. So the money. This is also important. The money moves around from location to location, and right now, Yulian is responsible for that cash. But they don't believe that he's up to the job. So to prove that he is worthy... I think they don't believe he's up to the job because he's like... Goofing off. Goofing off and singing and... Singing and doing cocaine and yeah. 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 I mean, mean, he seems to be having a grand old time. I mean, if I was a Russian mobster that owned a nightclub, it had money coming out of my ass, I'd probably be up singing too. Maybe not the cocaine, but you know, I'd probably be up singing. Right. If you like singing, go sing. Why the hell not, right? (laughs) It's your but, place. Right. It's my place. I'll do what I want. So so the, the the other like higher ups in the Russian mob are not happy about that. They want proof that he's gonna be, you know, he's gonna be able to take care of their money. So he smashes a martini glass and he murders one of the people, the high ranking Russian mobsters, and just when you think they're all gonna turn on him, they're like, Hey, we're gonna get his share anyway. So they toast 
him instead of like being upset with him. So I yeah. thought that was kind of funny. I think this is probably our most brutal death in the show, in the movie. Think so? It's pretty. It is pretty gory. It's pretty but... brutal. There's a lot of other ones, but it's a lot of shooting and just hand-to-hand combat. But this one was just out of nowhere, just absolute violence. Yeah, there is a there is a much higher level of cruelty to Yulian's violence yeah. than there is to Hutch's. Hutch is specific and designed to disable or injure, and this dude is there to kill in the yeah. worst possible yeah, way. Yeah, because Hutch didn't kill those no, people on the bus. No, no. I no. mean, he definitely took them out, but... Sent them to the hospital. Yeah, but he didn't kill them, and this guy just... That's why I feel like it was very brutal. Oh, yeah, and it definitely. Was, it was one of the most brutal ones in the movie, I yeah, think. Yeah, it was definitely brutal, yeah. I don't, I don't disagree. But he does send those guys to the hospital. So Julian ends up getting a call because one of those guys is his younger brother, Teddy. Of course it is. Right, because that's how it works <laughs> in these movies. Right? Gotta have that connection. <laughs> Gotta have that connection. Because otherwise, why is Julian here, right? So right. He was one of the punks that that Hutch fucked up earlier. And so Julian goes to the hospital and sees his brother all messed up. And then he proceeds to beat a confession out of his the other men so he can kind of find out who... Was this, doing this. this. This is obviously a terrible human being. He beat the shit out of one dude with a chair. Yeah, they're already in a hospital bed. Yeah. Obviously, really not in good shape. Completely and then, injured. Yes. And then you do something like that. Yeah, I know, right? Absolutely absurd. I know. So I want to. <laughs> I want to take a moment. There is. There's a series of books that I really love. They're written by Charlie Houston. It's called the. I want to say if it, I want to say it's the Hank Thompson trilogy, and it is. Caught stealing, six bad things, and a dangerous man. And so it it doesn't it doesn't exactly follow the same story, but it has the same feel as this movie has. Mm. So they're short novels, they're kind of pulpy books, but they're about a guy who gets mistaken for another guy by the Russian mob. Mm. And they chase him. And he ends up going into hiding in Mexico. They end up chasing him to Mexico. They find him. They end up he ends up like killing a bunch of their people and they end up saying that like the only way that you can repay us is to come work for us. So they force him to be a gangster to repay his debt. Otherwise they're going to, otherwise he's, they're going to kill like his mom or something like that. But so the storyline again, completely different, but the feel of the way he describes the violence in those books is exactly what I was thinking of when I was watching this movie. Like, every bit of this violence feels like it comes straight out of those Charlie Houston novels. Fantastic reads, too, by the way, if you can get your hands on them. I don't know if they're still in print. I still have the first two, but I don't have the third one anymore. But if you can get your hands on them, definitely read the Hank Hank Thompson trilogy. So, anyway, back to our story. But I digress. Harry calls Hutch to let him know that word on the street is that Hutch has drawn the attention of the Russian mob with his bus-bound vigilanteism. So he tells Hutch to go to see the barber, quote unquote, the barber. He's a man who kind of barters in information. So Hutch ends up going to visit the barber and he tells Hutch that he tells him all about Yulian and how Yulian is extremely violent, how he he's the Obchak's guardian and all this other stuff. Gives him a whole bunch of information about the guy. But while Hutch is researching Yulian, Yulian is having his underlings research Hutch. The hacker that Yulian uses blackmails an FBI agent with, like, suggestive pictures mm-hmm. <laughs> that she has of him yep. to get, like, Hutch's file. But as soon as she sees Hutch's file and she goes through it and she sees what this man is capable of, she nopes right the hell out yeah, of there. She's, she's like, like I'm, out. I'm out. I quit. <laughs> See you later. You can keep my pay. I'm gone. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So when she does nope out of there, she gives like the file to Yulian and he looks at it and he figures out where he lives and where Hutch lives. And he sends all the men he's got to go after Hutch. And then we cut to the Mansell residence where they are just sitting down to dinner. And it seems like fences are starting to get mended here a little bit because the son's actually talking to the dad. The wife's actually talking to him a bit. bit. 
they seem like they're a little better. They're talking about going to Italy. Mm-hmm. Maybe they need to go to Italy again. Again. Pfft. Our poor asses will never probably get to Italy, but they're talking <laughs> about going to Italy again. Not unless this podcast takes off, huh? Right? This yeah. podcast takes off. We might be able to go to Italy. <laughs> Maybe. All right, people, rate us five stars. Let's see if we can make it. Get us to Italy. Just kidding. <laughs> you don't have to get us to Italy. We don't need to worry about that. Anyway, while they're talking and Hutch is serving dinner, he notices the group of cars coming up the drive. And so he kind of hustles all the family members and puts them in the basement in a panic room that, that they didn't even know existed. Like his wife is like, wait, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> And just, they, she says, he says, don't call the cops, is what I, he says to her. It seemed to me like she knew what that was. She said, Hutch, what are you doing? And like. I took he, that more as she didn't understand why he was having him go down there. When she put, when he pulls the, the thing out, she goes, what is, like, like, uh, like okay. what? Like, she doesn't know what that is. Like, she didn't know because she thought, I think what we're taking. This is the character growth that we're going to give because later she's going to be okay with there being a, a panic room. Like, we'll get to that. But I took this as, like, you were supposed to be retired. Why is this here? You know, like, why are you still have all this crap here? You hmm. know, that's the okay. way I took it. Okay. I didn't take it the same way, but I don't think it matters. Fair. I mean, yeah. no, I mean, there's difference. Yeah. Of, I mean, it's a different, a different perspective on it. Yeah. You think that she was kind of like confused as to why he was doing it. I think it was more why. I feel like, especially because she knows his past and is not surprised that he's out fighting or whatever, that she's fully aware that that's there. That there would be a possibility of of a panic room. Sure. Sure. I feel like, you know what? That could work too because like they're keeping secrets. You know, maybe they keep secrets from each other. They've been drifting apart. And when we're gonna see when we're gonna see later, they're both kind of like, yeah, we need to make sure there's a basement. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I'm very sure the kids didn't know it was there, no, but the I kids feel like his wife did. Okay, sure, 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 sure. That makes sense to me. After he gets everybody in the basement, the intruders start intruding, and Hutch takes them out one by one, and he almost gets all of them, but he ends up getting tasered. <laughs> yeah, he ends up getting tasered. So they grab him and they throw him in a trunk. And then probably my favorite sequence in the whole damn movie happens where Hutch is like, I'm just going to roll out of the trunk. And he pops the trunk and he sees that he can't roll out of the trunk. So he takes a fire extinguisher that's in the trunk and he breaks into the main cabin of the car and sprays the fire extinguisher into the car to disorient the driver Mm -hmm. and causes a crash, rolls it over. And then he kind of like confides in the one last guy who's alive out of that whole crash. He's like, you know, I used to be what they call an auditor. I'm the last person you wanted to see, blah, blah, blah. Like, great. He's 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 just, you know, <laughs> he's just telling this dude everything about his life as the dude's expiring. But after he gets out of that, he runs back to the house. He gets everybody out of the house, gets them in the car and says, hey, Go somewhere safe. Do you remember where he tells her to go? Does he tell her to go to like your sister's house or something like that? I don't remember. Yeah, well, just get out of here. Get somewhere safe. Mm-hmm. Call me later and tell me where you're at or something like that. Or I'll call you later or something like that. And then he goes back into the house and he starts collecting up bodies. He grabs everybody. All the people that he killed. There's like five of them. And then there's one dude that's still kind of alive. And he ties them all to the couch in the basement. And he starts pouring kerosene around the basement. <laughs> and you're like, what? But then he starts playing records. And he's playing records. He pulls the record off. And he puts this one record on. But before he turns it on, he tells the last man standing why he stopped doing what he does. He tells him about this guy that was his last job as a hitman. He took the guy out to the woods to, you know, put a bullet in his head. And the guy basically begged for mercy. And Hutch could tell that he was just a desperate guy. And he felt bad about what he had done. So he let him go. And then later he tracked the guy down to make sure he was still staying on the straight and narrow. 
and he sees that the guy is staying on the straight and narrow. But more than that, he's a happy man. He's got a wife who and an adoptive daughter, and he's got another kid on the way. And Hutch realizes that that's what he wanted, that that's what's missing from his life. And so he quit. He quit because he wanted to have a family and retire and be happy. And then he starts the record, which is the igniter for the kerosene, which I thought was, <laughs> this scene was balls to the wall funny because how's that going to work, right? How's that going to work? <laughs> First of all, the kerosene's on the floor. What, what's it going to do? Spit the fire onto the floor? I mean, come on. Well, what, beyond that, just the idea of a record starting the fire is hysterical to me, but it works in the context of the film. It starts up and sparks fly and flames shoot out. And then all of a sudden the basement's on fire and Hutch leaves the house. The house is burning down behind him and he goes to get into his car. But then he turns around at the last second and goes and gets the douchebag neighbor's charger or challenger. I think I think it's a challenger. And he busts into it and he just steals that. He's like, I'm not going to fuck up my car. I'm going to fuck up this guy's car. <laughs> that was pretty good. Yeah, I did like that. I did like that. So he ends up going, and I don't remember where he goes to get the gold bars, but he he gathers up all these gold bars that he had saved, and he brings them to his father-in-law, Ed, who's played by Michael Ironside, who, Michael Ironside is the typical, like, tough guy guy. He was mm -hmm. in, you know, Top Gun. He was in, he's played Sam Fisher in the uh, Splinter Cell video games. He was in V as Ham Tyler. He's a great guy. I love this guy. He was in, he was in Starship Troopers. We just talked about him last year. Do you remember? Mm, no. He was in Star Trek Troopers. He was the uh, he was the guy with the one arm, who was the teacher. And then when they when they got to Clendathu, oh, okay. he was there. He was their he was their commander. Uh, I vaguely remember. He ended yeah. up dying, and then he ends up Johnny ends up with his uh, his command. Yeah. Anyway, that's Michael Ironside. But he offers him the gold, and he's like, "I want to buy your business." And Michael Ironside's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, okay." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like sold. <laughs> But the brother, the brother-in-law isn't happy about that. The brother-in-law, like, attacks him and then, like, Hutch, like, gives him one swift punch to the gut, right in the, like, maybe solar plexus or something like that. And he's like, da 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 deep breaths, deep breaths, deep breaths. <laughs> and then the guy's like, but what am I going to do? And he's like, I really don't give a fuck. <laughs> it's just these great lines. And Bob Odenkirk is so earnest in his delivery of these lines. Yeah. Like... They could be cheesy in other delivery by by another person delivering them, but Bob Odenkirk is just so good at this, <laughs> and yeah, so he buys the place, and they leave, and he proceeds to basically rig the entire warehouse that 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 of that building. He home alones this place. He home alones the hell out of this place, right? Yeah. He stashes weapons. He puts up like booby traps, and then then. He ends up finding out where the Obchak is. And he goes and he burns the whole friggin' <laughs> thing. I'm guessing he's going to have a lot of upset people now at this yeah. point. <laughs> so now, while this is all going on, Hutch's dad gets attacked by two hitmen. Now I he, love this scene. Now, Hutch, when he was heading back to the house, Hutch called his dad and said, Dad, they're going to be coming for you. So it's not out of the blue that he knows what's going on. Yeah. But... Christopher Lloyd plays the dad, and this this great scene of like the hitman showing up. They turn him around. He's got the shotgun. He just blows one of the guys away. Shoots the other guy. Grabs him, and the orderly comes running down the hall. Busts into the thing and hit. He's kind of hides the guys the the one dude that he's holding with his chair. And he's got his remote in his hand and he's turning the volume down on the TV. And the, the orderly's like, man, can't you just keep it down? <laughs> he keeps turning it down. And the orderly leaves and he like kills the guy. Just great scene. Great scene. Yeah, Christopher I Lloyd. It. I mean, what can you say? What, what bad can you say about Christopher Lloyd? He's such a great actor. I can't say anything. Yeah, about there's it. nothing bad to say about Christopher Lloyd. It's great to see him in this, though. I don't think I've ever seen him in a role like this before. <laughs> so... Hutch goes to Yulian's bar and he has a meal and he's antagonizing Yulian by being there. And he gets surrounded by Yulian's henchmen and then Hutch tells he he pulls out a he pulls out a claymore mine that he has attached to his finger, his thumb, right? Mm -hmm. 
Think about like the Joker when he had those those grenades in the Dark Knight and he had it attached to his hand. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same premise. Like you pull it, the pin's going to go, it's going to explode. Hutch tells him that he burned the Oak <laughs> Not only does he do, do it, yeah. he goes and tells him he did right. it. That he was goes, me. <laughs> he goes, he eats the guy's food, he looks him right in the eye and said, I fucked you. I took everything from you. And then he leaves because he's got this Claymore mind. Nobody wants to go after him. So they, they, they like, it takes him a second to like go after him, but they chase him. Mm-hmm. He gets in his car and they chase him. They go, he leads them right back to the warehouse, the, the home alone warehouse. Yep. There, his dad and his brother are waiting to help. And they have this big fight, this big shootout. People are getting killed left and right. The brother is like this amazing sniper. He can just shoot like whatever, whenever, you know, is coming at him can get, he can shoot him. He's dead. The person, the person attacking him is dead and all the booby traps are going off. And then they, they, they finally managed to kill everybody except Yulian, but they're, they're out of bullets and Yulian has the drop on them. But (laughs) Hutch sees that he's got his claymore still. And he sees a piece of bulletproof bulletproof glass, so he duct tapes the Claymore mine to the front of the bulletproof, bulletproof glass, grabs the trigger device, and rushes Yulian with this piece of glass and sets off the mine, which kills Yulian, and obviously Hutch is fine, mostly fine, as fine as you can be after detonating a Claymore mine <laughs> in front of your face, you know. Even if he is protected by this glass... It's probably not going to be quiet or comfortable. That's my guess. Having never messed with a Claymore mine myself, thankfully, I don't have first-hand experience. <laughs> However, you it, just, <laughs> it just seems like the kind of thing that might not be, you know, might not be the best thing in the world. Hutch then thanks his dad and his brother for their help, but has them take off because they, they don't want to be there when the cops get there. And the cops are coming. So as the sirens are approaching, Hutch is sifting through the rubble and he hears a cat. Now, earlier, his daughter had asked if they could get a cat. His daughter had asked about a cat and one of the other co-workers was trying to get at something that was in the ceiling. Something was running yeah. around in the ceiling. And it was this cat, apparently. So he picks up the cat, he puts it in the suit coat, and then he goes to the kitchen, like the shop's like break area kitchen or whatever. He gets a couple of cans of tuna and a, and a can opener. And then... We're back in the interrogation room. Back the where cat, we started. Yeah, back where we started. The cat's eating the, the tuna. Hutch is smoking his cigarette. The cops they're still are like, who are you? And he still says, I'm nobody. And then they get a couple of phone calls at the same time. And they, they hang up the phone. They don't say a word. They hang up the phone and they just look at him. And you just know that they're like, <laughs> okay, we got to let this guy go. We, I can't believe we have to let this guy go. But they do let him go. Mm-hmm. Because three months later, we find the Mansells looking for a new house. And they're going through the house, and they're looking around, and then the realtor gets a phone call, so she kind of nopes away for a little bit. And Hutch and, and Becca are talking for a moment, but then the realtor comes back and says, it's for you. And Hutch takes the phone, and he puts it up to his ear, and you can tell by the look on his face that there's probably more mobsters coming for him. So Becca and Hutch like look at the realtor and they're like doesn't have a basement (laughs) (laughs) and we cut to black and then there we go that's the end there we go that's the end of nobody now i would love for them to make a sequel to this movie i'd love to see what happens next but there's a part of me that says don't make a sequel to this let this stand on its own because i love what this movie is you know i I don't know if they're going to, but their intent is to make this like a John Wick type series. But I haven't heard Uh that they've gotten picked up for another movie or anything like that. So, well, hopefully, if they might not, they're intending that hopefully they'll get to do it. I don't want I don't want anything bad for Bob Odenkirk because I think Bob Odenkirk's a fantastic guy. But like I said, I think that this would this movie is a good standalone movie. We don't need a follow up. We don't really need more backstory or yeah, anything like that. I think it's necessary. fine. Yeah, I yeah. think it's fine the way it is. I think if you have too much more backstory and too much more 
story to it. It becomes to John Wick, you know? Mm-hmm. There's a uniqueness to this movie, even with the similarities to John Wick, that I think you will definitely lose if you start explaining, like, oh, what's this group of people that he worked with and blah, 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 and all this other stuff, so... Did you notice the photo of Christopher Lloyd and Harry uh, of uh, of Christopher Lloyd and Harry and Hutch when they <laughs> it's like a young a younger Christopher Lloyd Mm-mm. with it's basically young pictures of I don't know if it's the guy's name is RZA or is it Riza I don't know it might be Riza anyway it's a young picture of Riza's face a young picture of uh, Bob Odenkirk's face and a young picture of Christopher Lloyd's face plastered on a family photo and I was like oh that looks bad that's really they didn't put the money there that's not where the budget went (laughs) it's not where the budget went at all yeah yeah so do you have any notes i have a couple things okay i wasn't really sure i was understanding what hutch's history was okay and so just in case anybody else is along the same thought process as me here hutch was an auditor for the u.s government His job was to track down troublemakers in the various three-letter agencies and eliminate them. So he went after CIA, FBI, Mm -hmm. IRS maybe? That is a three-letter agency. It is a three-letter agency. (laughs) That very well could be. So that helped me kind of understand a little bit because I wasn't sure I was following what he was meant to have done in his earlier life okay that's interesting because the way i took it was that he worked for those agencies but he doesn't work for those agencies he works against those agencies when the national interests demand it i guess yeah okay yeah he works for the government yeah so the guy that he let go was some sort of government agent Mm -hmm. that was allowed to retire and then get this family that hutch ended up envying yeah huh yeah that's interesting that's That's a really good piece of information. I like that. Bob Odenkirk does almost all of his own stunts in this movie. This is a man who had a heart attack on the set of Better Call Saul, and he's doing all his own stunts in a movie like this. Bravo, sir. Bravo fucking O. They did fight scenes using long cuts to show that it is him doing the moves and not a double. Now, there is a a double for some of the stuff, but he did do most of it. Bus stuff? bus stuff the stuff that's on the bus no he's in most he's in most of the bus stuff but there is parts in the bus that is not him yeah that's what i was thinking like parts of the bus stuff where like he's getting thrown around a little bit Mm -hmm. and like he's getting smacked into things that's probably that's probably tougher to to do on an on a person of middle age sorry bob odenkirk i understand (laughs) but he did spend at least a year and a half for training for this movie. Like Rambo style? I don't know about Rambo style, but one of his one of his trainers was actually one of the goons from the bus. Oh, really? Yeah, That's so awesome. one of the guys that was his trainer That's got awesome. to be in the movie here too. That's awesome. And the only other piece I picked up here was this movie was filmed in September and October of 2019. Mm-hmm. It was set to release August of 2020 of course we know what happened there with covid and so it got pushed out until march of 2021 Hmm. so kind of a little bit of a delay with all the other movies that got delayed around that same time period yeah you know i remember you know i remember that i remember the the ad campaign for it and i remember thinking well that would be fun and then it just didn't didn't show up and then then it showed up and here we are so there's a line in here I believe it's between Hutch and Harry, or maybe it's Hutch and his dad. But Hutch says, you brought a lot of shotguns, and the other guy says, you brought a lot of Russians. That was his dad. That made me laugh. Yeah, that was good. (laughs) I like that. That was good. And just one other thing I wanted to point out, because I had to keep checking, because I wasn't really sure, but the the bad guy, Yulian, Mm -hmm. he looks like a very similar facial structure to Drew Carey. So I thought he looked like... You thought he looked like Drew Carey? A Walmart version of Drew Carey. <laughs> <laughs> Walmart Drew Carey. But if you look at the movie, maybe uh, wa- next time you watch it, just see what you think. Because I kept thinking, boy, that guy looks like Drew Carey. <laughs> that is too funny. I didn't. I've never placed him as Drew Carey. <laughs> I kept thinking of... 
what's the guy's name that that plays Eric Selvig in the Thor movies, the professor guy? Oh, I know who you're talking Skarsgård. about. Skarsgård. Yeah. Not Bill Skarsgård. It's not... It's it's the dad. Yeah, yeah, uh, whatever. The good, yeah. that Skarsgård guy. That's who I kept thinking yeah. of with this guy, but it's obviously not the same guy. So I did have to look at first because is I that... thought, God, is that Drew Carey like up in like makeup or something <laughs> like that? It, I don't know why because he doesn't act like Drew Carey acts or anything like that. But this I, movie would have I been it, ins- it would have been insanely funny if it would be Drew Carey <laughs> if they had put Drew Carey in makeup and thrown him in as a Russian mob boss. <laughs> Holy shit! Holy shit! So I, I kept, he kept saying he's an auditor. I'm an auditor. I'm the last person you want to see. Da, 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 right? And I kept thinking to myself, you know, there's a lot of people that think that IRS auditors have guns now. <laughs> there are a lot of people that think. I get this question almost every <laughs> week, at least once or twice. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm like, they, I haven't seen one, but okay. <laughs> For the record, IRS auditors don't have guns. Also, I had an, just so everybody knows, I did have an audit with one of my clients this last fall. Yeah. And it was in person. So I had the client in my office, the auditor was in my office, and I asked. Did you really? <laughs> I asked. You asked the auditor? I asked if if they were going to start carrying weapons, or I don't remember exactly how I worried at it. Yeah. And he didn't answer me, but he did start laughing at me, so. He didn't answer you? <laughs> he just started laughing and then started asking his next question. Oh, my God. <laughs> it might be true. This I, could be the confirmation <laughs> we've been looking for. I don't know if it's true. I'm I just totally thought it was kidding. hilarious. It's not true. <laughs> But that is really He's probably thinking, oh, for God's sake, people. Right, right. How many more meatheads are going to ask me this stupid-ass question? Right. Oh, my God. That's I funny. told him, I said, look, I'm just looking for confirmation so I could tell my clients, please, this is not true. Look, just I talked to a real-life auditor. Like that, Okay, if you have somebody that believes that IRS auditors are carrying guns, talking to an IRS auditor and getting them to say no isn't going to be the way That's to true. dissuade them. That's they're they're going to be like, well, what are they going to say? No. They're going to say no, right? They're not going to tell you yes. Yeah. That is true. That yeah. is true. That's what my clients would say. Not tell, all of them. I have you, some clients that were asking you that. You tell so. them that you had a special investigator that went and looked <laughs> into it, and they found out that it was a horse, horse bucky. Horse manure, as they say. So, All right. Do you have any other points, questions, no, that's comments? It. Questions, comments, criticisms, as an old high school teacher I had used to say. No, that's it. Okay, that's all I've got, too, so why don't we do our thing? Keep, Rent, or Erase, Jennifer, and why? I think I'm going to keep this movie. Nice. I really enjoyed it. I loved seeing Bob Odenkirk in something other than just a drama comedy role. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I thought he did a good job in this role, too. At his sardonic best. He's really good in this movie. I, I, I enjoyed it. It had pretty much everything. It had feelings with his family. It had the action. It had comedy in there. It was a fun movie to watch. Yeah. I will watch it again. This might go in my every year... During tax season, I will watch like series of movies. Like I have movies that I'll watch every year during tax season while I'm working. I like mm-hmm. to have it on the background to listen to. Sure. John Wick is one of those movies. I feel like this might go in with my John Wick rotation. Well, it is John Wick adjacent. adjacent yeah. yeah. So while it's not the exact same movie, I feel like it'll probably play well enough with that when I'm ready for an action set of movies. I might throw this one in that rotation. It, so. it pairs well. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. It pairs well. How about you? This is an absolute keep. I loved this movie the first time I saw it. Like I said, when I got to that bus sequence the first time, I was like, holy shit, this is a hell of a movie. And... It is a great ride. It To me, the, watching this movie the first time felt like watching John Wick the first time. Like, I didn't know what to expect with John Wick. You had told me it was good, and I was like, all right, whatever, so I'll watch it. Mm-hmm. And I watched it, and I was blown away by it. Like, it was just one of those things that, like, it's not like high art. It's not like, you know, it's not like lowbrow. It's somewhere in the middle. Like, those good old action movies mm-hmm. it felt like a lethal weapon type movie, you know, mm-hmm. where, like, you could just watch it and enjoy it for what it was, you know? Right. That's what I love about this movie is there's no frills to it at all. This is one of those mindless, not mindless, but this is one of those movies that you can put on and not have to pay too close attention to and just enjoy the spectacle of it. Mm-hmm. But it still has some meat on its bones, you know? Right, right. So definitely a keeper for me. No two ways about that. So, yeah. Excellent. Cool. 
So, what's next? All right, next week we're going to cover Marvel's latest addition. Oh, good. To the Marvel Cinematic. Oh. To the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh. We're going to watch Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania. I watched the trailer for this. I'm not excited. The first time in, like, for a long time that I haven't been excited about a Marvel movie, and it makes me sad. I grew up reading Marvel comics. I still read Marvel comics. I love Marvel comics. But these movies, again, they've just been so homogenized. If they if they make a liar out of me, great. I want them to... Here's what I want Marvel to do. I want Marvel to make a liar out of me like they made a liar out of me back in 2014 when Guardians of the Galaxy came out. Because when they were when they were putting Guardians of the Galaxy trailers out, I was like, there's no way the general population is going to be okay with a talking raccoon. That's just too out there. Everybody loves and the talking everybody raccoon. Everybody loves Rocket. <laughs> and Guardians, by the way, fantastic flick. A lot of fun. What I want them to do is I want them... I'm in that moment again. I'm in that point where it's like, Ugh, why are we still doing this? Can't we move on and do something better? Make Make something else. Make something better with this, you know? Like, don't stop using the characters, but stop making it so formulaic. If they bust out of that formula, great. I don't think they're going to. It seems to work. It seems to work. Bread and circuses is what they say, right? Bread and circuses. Yeah. That's now, I is. don't think I've seen any trailers for this one, so I'm going in blind. Oh, you're not going to watch the trailers at all? I try not to because I feel like Marvel does a disservice to some of their movies with their trailers. Mm, I feel like yeah. they show too much. You're true. Ragnarok, or not Ragnarok. Yeah, Ragnarok with the uh, Hulk thing I, really, really I, screwed that up. That really did. So I try not to watch them. Sometimes I'll watch the very first one because it's usually just a little clip with a few little scenes. Yeah, a little teaser trailer. Right. That one sometimes I watch, but sometimes I just completely avoid everything and then just go in not really knowing what's going on. That is fair. I, I totally understand where you're coming from. So. All right. Next week on the couch, Ant-Man and the Wasp in Quantumania. Thanks for listening, everyone. You've been listening to A View from the Couch, a Space Moose Media podcast. You can interact with our hosts on Twitter by going to twitter.com forward slash view underscore couch. You can also email us at aviewfromthecouch at yahoo.com. If you've enjoyed this episode, please help us get noticed by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Thanks for listening.